People's Poetry Podcast with me, Jimmy Bowman. Hello and welcome to episode one of series four of People's Poetry Podcast. This is the poetry podcast that follows me, Jimmy Bowman, an aspiring poet and teacher alike, as I travel the UK talking to established poets, as well as poets who have just taken their first steps into the world of poetry, as I try to find out why it is we have just such a love affair with poetry in this country. This is a podcast aimed not just at those who already like poetry, but those who've never really considered it before. I want to show you that there's something in the world of poetry written for you. Series 4 is the first series in 2020 and what an odd year it's been so far. These certainly are unprecedented times we're living in. I'm of course referring to the global pandemic and the spread of coronavirus. However, these strange circumstances have produced some rather wonderful things, many of which involve people turning to and engaging with the arts as we've seen a boom in virtual workshops, poetry recitals and many beautiful conversations about poetry. Series 4 was born out of this positivity and although I enjoy travelling to the poet and chatting to them face to face I've still been blessed to have four incredibly inspiring and engaging conversations via the magic of Zoom. It's also meant we've crossed over into international waters with ease for the first time in the podcast history. How about that? This episode's featured poet is a poet I've been following recently for some time, so I was very excited to speak to her. She's just released her stunning debut collection, All Right Girl. I'm of course talking about the incredible Maria Ferguson. Now I knew at some point we would end up having a good old chinwag about the boozer, the pub, that great British institution, and one that has sadly been blocked off to us during these difficult times. And after reading Maria's collection, All Right Girl, I knew it would come up and I knew we would end up talking about it. And it was great. I had a lot, a lot of fun talking to Maria. I'm going to stop rabbiting on now and let you hear it for yourself. So this is the first lockdown episode I've recorded. I'm going to do series four from lockdown. um, And I'm very, very excited to be joined by an award-winning theatre maker and poet, Maria Ferguson. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. How are you keeping in these strange times? I'm okay, I think. I'm all right. Up and down, I'd say, but I think that's everyone, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's an odd time. There is lots and lots and lots and lots I want to chat with you about, including this little stunner, which is uh, All Right Girl, your debut collection of poetry. Oh, yeah. Yeah, thanks for for buying it. ah. I'm thrilled that you had it. What you were on my radar with Essex Girl? I mean, I'll, I'll be—I put it out there. I'll admit I didn't see Essex Girl, but um, <gasps> the, the things I know, Awful. shocking. I apologise. Hanging up. <laughs> <laughs> but the the things I read about it and the the trailer and that, as soon as this come out, I thought, right, I've got to read that, and I'm so glad I did buy it. I suppose I like to start chronologically. So your route into poetry. When was it you were sort of first? aware of poetry as a thing and and when when did you start writing yourself when did I start writing myself well obviously um I you know I had access to poetry at school but I wasn't I liked poetry but um I guess I thought that it was quite elitist I guess Mm -hmm. well what what I knew of poetry was just what you sort of read in the GCSE or A-level anthology or like Caroline Duffy or whatever no shade to Caroline Duffy I actually like her um but I didn't have like I didn't know what performance poetry was I didn't know that there was a community around that and a scene around that 
I went to drama school. I, I trained as an actor. Went to uh, East 15 acting school. Trained to be an actor. Very quickly realised I didn't want to be an actor. Right. <laughs> um, and started sort of writing my own my own work in like the third year, but it was so bad, like horrific. <laughs> sort of, you know, notebook next to the bed. Why don't you love me? Vibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but I, I started writing these things that were kind of monologues, kind of not, and they, you know, were like rhythmic and rhyming. And I went to this audition, um, for a monologue, uh, night. It was yeah. like my first audition for, for, for a job outside of drama school. And you could bring something that you'd written yourself. So I did one of these pieces and they were like, oh, you know, it's all, it's, it's spoken word. And I was like, what the fuck's that? <laughs> <laughs> didn't even know what spoken word was yeah. and they were and they were like you know they were telling me about people like Kate Tempest, Polar Bear, Scroobius Pitt um and I I kind of knew, knew about them a bit and I was like oh is this a thing then this is a thing they're like yeah you should go to the roundhouse like they do this poetry slam every year and so I entered this poetry slam at the roundhouse having only written about two poems which we're looking back was a ridiculous thing to do um, it is ballsy. I'll give you that. Yeah, I got in. <laughs> yeah, it's ballsy, right? I think I just—I was just sort of like, um, you know, just graduating from drama school and you know, sort of finding myself. You know? Yeah. And um, yeah, I but I got I got into the final of this competition at the Roundhouse, and Polar Bear and Kate Tempest actually were were on the judges. Amazing. And um, and Polar did uh, at the time ran the Roundhouse Poetry Collective. And he said, you know, do you want to join the Poetry Collective, come and write with me for an hour? Every, uh, no, three hours every Sunday. So I was like, well, yes, please. <laughs> so yeah. I did that and then sort of discovered that there was this this massive community of, of people and that performance poetry was a thing. And I just, you know, started doing open mics and then got sort of um, booked for gigs and festivals and whatever. And I think it just sort of like, where it went from there, just sort of like spiraled from there. And I'm still very good friends with all of the people in the Poetry Collective and we still write together. And actually one of the, um, one of the groups, Cecilia Knapp, now runs the uh, Roundhouse Poetry Collective with Bridget Minimal, another amazing poet. It's, it seems to be quite a, 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 what's the word, a good, I don't, I'm going to make you sound like cattle. I was going to say a good stock that have come out of um, the, 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 the roundhouse because you know you've got your Jess Greens, your Cecilia Knapp, yourself. So clearly something, um, something's going right with, with the way they. Yeah, we're all in in the same group actually, and then yeah. other amazing people that have gone on to do other stuff like Jack Rook was in ours, and he's an amazing comedian and was writing for you know telly and he's yeah, he's just brilliant. Um, and then yeah, just loads of people in, in other um other uh years of it so Paul Creese, uh Ahmed, mm. Sean Mahoney, Talia Randall like the, the list goes on and on and on. It um, sounds sounds like from what you were saying then that and it's a similar thing I hear it's same with myself uh, but similar to some of the other poets I've spoke to that it was sort of a, a lack of uh poetry that sort of you could really attach yourself to then that, that sort of uh propelled you to to write your own stuff mm. that's fair to say yeah 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 definitely I, I, mean, read... I think there's a danger though when you're that um when you're that new to it and 
especially if you want to impress someone or impress your tutor or your peers, you'll yeah. almost try to sound a certain way yes. that, you, that you think will be accepted or that people will like. I think it takes quite a long time to find your voice and you can fall into a trap of all sounding yeah. uh, similar. Definitely, yeah. And, and to that extent, I've, I think I've read somewhere in an interview you, you did online where you, you're talking about theatre and how when you wrote Essex Girl, you wanted it to appeal to people who aren't usually sort of comfortable in, in that uh, theatre environment. What what changed with you? Because you said yourself you, you didn't feel comfortable in that environment initially. What what changed for you? Was it once you started writing it? Because I, I had the same experience. I've spoke to um, Jamie Frasivulu about this, where, you know, we weren't comfortable. Love Jamie. He's, he's a legend but we weren't we weren't comfortable <laughs> with, with the term poet where we came from we thought oh we're going to get slated if we tell people we write poetry so it's that same sort of awkwardness I, I think what what was it that changed for you that made you feel more at home in those sort of uh, environments theatres and poetry I mean I think I've gone on quite a journey with this and it's something I talk about quite a lot. I feel like a lot of the time it, it might seem that I have a chip on my shoulder or something of, about it. But I think it's, it is really so important to talk about sort of like the, the accessibility yeah. um, within, within the arts, not just poetry and not just theatre and, you know, just the arts in general. I've always been traditionally quite um, an elitist group of people. And, Definitely. You know, your background and your, your wealth and stuff like this you know do play factors in in that there's there's no question about it but I think once I had started writing for me everything changed you know I sort of asked myself okay what's important to me what do I want to write about and what would I have wanted to hear when yeah. I when I was younger or when I had started poetry or or even now as well, like, what is it that's important to me? What do I want to hear? What do I want to read? And I, I think once you start writing for yourself, then, you know, your literary voice becomes more apparent. And um, I was having this conversation with, with my partner yesterday, actually, that as long as you're happy and proud in the work that you're doing, it doesn't really matter what other people say. I mean, obviously, everyone wants to you know get good reviews and yeah, yeah you know for people to enjoy their work that's only human nature but I think as long as you're true to yourself then that's all that matters really but I did go through yeah a, a long period of time where I didn't feel comfortable in theatre settings or in poetry settings and sort of I don't know maybe even over overcompensated for that or really sort of like you know, upped my accent when I was talking to people and stuff like that. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah. Almost sort of being like, uh, I don't know, making a caricature out of myself almost sometimes. I bet it's I, mad I, what your I, brain does when you're in com situations you don't feel like you fit in or be comfortable in. I, I did exactly the same thing when I started out uh, teaching. I thought, oh Christ, I, I, I can't teach Macbeth sounding like this. So I'm going to have to <laughs> start pronounce my T's and things like that. But, um, you know, as, as time went on, I've sort of learned is, as long as you're modelling the grammar correctly, the, the accent's not the important bit. So, um, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I think, you know, all of those things make you what you are, don't they? And yeah, definitely. Yeah, you should just in, embrace that and use and use that 
I remember I went on an Arbonne course years ago and Inner Ellens was one of the tutors and he said, know your cage. He was like, if you know your cage, you can use that to propel you forward. And it's always stuck with me. Mm. Know your cage. Know your cage. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> and so, talking of cages or, or not cages in this is this instance, stereotypes is something um, you, you know you in Essex girl you've tried to debunk or sort of discover where or, or why this this Essex girl stereotype happens. And oddly, when I was reading uh, All Right Girl, um, Kirsty that piece, um, everything in it was, it, 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 I laughed a lot because it was so like sort of South London as well and not just Essex, it's, it's very relatable and again I read in an interview that you did that that's something you heard all around the UK, everyone seemed to relate it but it's only Essex that that had this stereotype stick yeah. sort of to it. Um, Bizarre. Why, why did, I mean, I've also seen that you said you don't have the answers but after taking it around the country are you any clearer on on the stereotype and why it's particularly Essex that's been given that no no it's interesting actually that you picked out that that um that poem Kirsty, because that monologue or poem or whatever you want to call it whatever mm. it is um Kirsty in a right girl that was the first, that was the springboard basically of writing Essex Girl. I wrote that piece and but when I knew that I wanted to write something about Essex and sort of explore that stereotype and um, and that the name Kirsty, that's the um, the name of the character in Essex Girl. Yeah. But that, uh, for, for the people listening, Kirsty, uh, the poem that's about um, the one and only time I've ever been on a sunbed. And it has, and it is actually completely true. That is <laughs> my experience of wow. going on a sunbed for six minutes and burning my ass, basically. Um, <laughs> but when I, yeah, when I take Essex Girl around, every every show I've done, no matter where it is, even if it's in a rural pub in the middle of nowhere in in the sticks, or if it's in a big city, or if it's in London, or if it's up north, or in Scotland, whatever. But someone always says, oh, but that's just like, uh, that's just like me, or that's just like this situation. That's just like when I grew up, it's not just Essex, is it? And no, it isn't. Of course it isn't. Yeah. But like, you know, there was this with, I think it's something to do with um, social movement and a new wave of uh, like young Tory voters and people moving out from East London further into the suburbs, you know, sort of coming good and making more money and the glamour and stuff like that it's been in the dictionary the term essence girl since uh sort of the late 80s right sort of 89 90 and people think it's come from like the only way is essex and, and and stuff like that in recent times but it really hasn't it's been it's been around for decades and i think it's just been reinforced by popular culture been reinforced by things like birds of a feather and towie and love island and whatever mm. um but you know i don't i i think that the, the main thing that i sort of came to the conclusion of uh, after writing it and and having performed it is that everyone has such a similar shared experience of you know 
growing up and rebelling and yeah and you know drinking in the park and hiding smoking fags from <laughs> y- your mum you know like it, and you know the the tan and the it's all about just wanting to fit in wanting to be a part of something wanting yeah. to be accepted and that's such a such a teenage thing isn't it you just want to be accepted i think it um, was the um charlie red reference somewhere you speaking about hiding the fact <laughs> made me laugh a lot yeah charlie red man i've bought so you know you can still get charlie red for a pound in boots um and i have to but it's a prop in essex girl um so i've bought so much charlie red and man every time i spray it it's just like whoosh that's why i use it in the in the play because it's just such a um like nostalgic scent yeah. i smell it and i'm like whoa i'm 16 it's <laughs> disgusting man it's disgusting <laughs> it's so vile but other people as well i just have to lift lift up that pan and i of, of charlie red and i see like women in the audience like start laughing yeah and yeah. instantly it takes you somewhere you know i like i like the fact though that you don't have an answer and I, I, in many ways I think poetry shouldn't be about you know or performance shouldn't, it shouldn't be about answering um, things but yet people seem to turn to poetry all the time in, in search for answers and uh, like at funerals or it, it gives them that sense of closure doesn't it what why do you think people turn to poetry when really it doesn't actually give us any answers it, it's sort of uh, a springboard to, to making your own mind up I guess isn't it yeah, I think the thing about poetry, or this is why I use it anyway, um, and why I turn to poetry, is that shared experience, that shared human experience, because even though we are all individuals, yeah. we all have the same experiences of love and grief um, and loss and joy. And, you know, we we experience them in different ways, but ultimately w- w- we have that shared experience and that's what makes us human so the best work for me I think is work that is entirely personal but then completely universal so whenever I turn to a, to poetry I feel like I'm searching for someone to say it's okay mm-hmm. I've been there too this is how I felt you're not on your own and that is yeah. what po- that's what poetry is for me personally ties into I know a lot of people that disagree with me <laughs> it ties well, into what you were saying at the start there doesn't it about finding your own voice if, if your poetry is personal then you, you it probably will be universal because it's coming from a, a real place isn't it so you're a theatre maker and obviously we're going to move on to talk about uh, all right girl your, your poetry collection but I as someone who doesn't write things personally for the stage whenever I've written it, it you know it's been for maybe to, to say the poem on a, on a stage or or just for the page how difficult is that transition what challenges do you sort of face when you're writing um something specifically to be a, a show i think that comes naturally to me because i've always been a performer and mm-hmm. because i'm to this point i've been writing for my own voice and i have that performance in mind so i know the way my voice works and i i know like what's going to sound funny in in my in my way of speaking or i know what's um what's maybe going to be um most effective or or whatever and i think to this point i have mainly focused on performance as well as 
writing things down but the, the whole page versus stage argument I, I've never really been able to get my head around it because I feel like when you're writing if, if that's poetry or plays really it should work on both the page and the stage yeah like it should it should come across in both and you've got arguments with different things like you know you read amazing poetry that's been you know nominated for the forward or whatever and then you go to the forward at south bank center and you're falling asleep because the the person reading it doesn't know how to put their work across you know and mm -hmm. i'm not saying anything that, you know against that or because you're a writer you have to be able to perform your own work but i feel like it, it should work in both instances it should be effective both being read and being heard yeah and also if, if there's if there's passion in your work if, if you've written something for the page you should be able to read it out loud because it should it you know it should be something that's so you that's so individual yes it should work then yeah i don't know it's a it's a, it's a big thing isn't it? it it just really annoys me when i see things like you, you know about how people who are known as spoken word poets you know in inverted commas are then referenced as so even if they're being awarded a literary prize yeah you know it's made a thing out of that someone is specifically a spoken word poet whereas i really don't think it matters i think people are just writers they're just writers poets whatever whatever you want to call yourself and the fact that you perform your work shouldn't make it less so yeah because i feel like that that is that is the case sometimes that people see performance poetry as a lesser form of poetry that's and i that, just really don't understand that that stems back to the whole elitism in, in poetry again though i think doesn't it because because perhaps some of the more classical uh sort of not contemporary poets are, are considered you know uh cornerstones of literature and they didn't go out performing their poetry i guess that's why I mean, it's bollocks, but I, I guess that's why there's that sort of stigma attached to it, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. It's just, but if, you know, if you look to epic poems, epic poetry, the way they were passed on was to be told oh, stories, yeah. I, storytelling, you know. So I don't, I don't get it. But I, yeah, I do understand that it, it comes from, it stems from that elitism, which is probably why I reject it so passionately. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, good. I mean, that's the whole reason I started this because, um, so many people I spoke to, especially like uh, mates of mine, you poetry, they're just, ah, I don't read that snobby stuff, but I kind of wanted to show that it, it's not all, you know, the stuff we were forced to, the Thomas Hardys of school that, you know, were force fed to everyone. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, all right, girl, um, spoke about Essex girl. And as we've said, I feel like parts of Essex girl went, must've gone into this collection as you were writing it. It focuses very much on, gender class um and and almost like how you perceive you, yourself does that make sense um, there's quite a few yeah, like, totally. quite a few poems in there about that what what was it that fostered your interest i mean class is something i'm i'm massively interested in as well but what was it that fostered your interest in specifically class and gender and those areas a lot of it is influenced by um the jobs i've had working in pubs mm -hmm. um where there is definitely um a sense of community and it's you know it's usually i've worked in east end pubs since i was 18 working class communities gender stereotypes gender roles are so evident uh w w within those spaces um and 
have always been of interest to me because as as much as I know that quite a lot of these things are quite problematic in a way they're also they also provide me with great comfort even just that title all right girl like that's what people say to me when I walk in the door all right girl yeah and you know I'm a 31 year old woman (laughs) you know but and I think that you know that even that phrase is problematic but at the same time fills me with um so much warmth and um nostalgia and belonging yeah which is what influenced a lot of it i mean my best mate kira her parents ran a pub in manor park when we were growing up and i spent more time there than i did at home it's like a running joke with my family that you know my house was like a hotel and i'd spend all my time in that pub yeah and a lot of the the stories and the poems that that are in this collection are rooted in the people i've met in those kind of spaces it's, it's something you said um worth mentioning your virtual book launch which was brilliant i really enjoyed that um oh thank you but it's something you said then were about you know um having and it's a problem i i fully appreciate and and have as well is this the gender roles in the pubs and the things that people say how they are kind of problematic um but also kind of fill you with warmth i mean i remember growing up the first one it was when people used to call you uh, like love and I think you've got a poem in in the collection called all right love um, yeah I have yeah and, and I grew up you know in, in a working class sort of cockney household where your nan would call you love your dad would call go to the supermarket cheers love and then I got to sort of a teenage I don't know about 14 15 at school and you, you're starting to see it in a different light like oh you shouldn't be shouldn't be calling that's really patronizing you shouldn't be saying things like that and it's difficult is i mean if you totally get rid of that does the working class community lose its sense of identity or is that is it just is it sort of about using it in the right circumstances i don't know yeah it's an interesting one isn't it because obviously through the through the collection i've got yeah all right mate all right love all right, son. Uh, right, girl. All right, son. Yeah. Yeah, it's it. like I say, it is a difficult one because in different contexts, you know, is it appropriate? Yeah. But it would never be questioned. And then, you know, if, if I was having this conversation with the, the men down the pub, they'd be like, oh, don't be so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. You know, they call me a snowflake or say, yeah, you know, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Left, you know, too, too woke, spending too much time at the theatre, love, you know? <laughs> 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 but I think it's having having that balance, I guess. And just I think if this is a question you're asking yourself, then you haven't got a problem because you understand the connotations of it. Very good point. Um, yeah. You know, you wouldn't debate this if you you meant any harm by calling someone love. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed I enjoyed that it explored that idea because it's one of those things like you said, I've never really sat and thought about, but I understood exactly what you meant when when you said it and reading reading the the poems in there. You play as well throughout the collection with sort of different forms. Um, you mean you've got poems in there that that you know sort of laid out like prose. You've got a sonnet in there. I can't remember. You said something on your virtual book launch that you'd written a certain style of poem. I can't remember. Oh, a sestina. Yes. Well, posh. <laughs> well, this is what you said again. You said. I can't remember your exact words, but you're saying about how you used to think back in the day, oh, these these types of forms of poetry, it's quite elitist. And I still, to a degree, because, you know, 
writing stuff, I still think, oh, should I be writing, uh, you know, uh, this type of poem or this type of poem? Was there a stage in your writing career where you, you sort of got past that, almost thinking to yourself, should I be doing this, should I be doing that? Because forms, I don't know, form can see like a very elitist thing in poetry. Mm, yeah, and I, again, it's a, it's a tough one because, as I said at my book launch, a very long time, I think I rejected the idea of form because of, of those reasons because I was like you know it's a it's a it's elitist and you know I don't you know I don't care what these things are or you know it doesn't matter it doesn't matter you should just be able to write down in the way that you want to write it down and it takes away from people that don't have the knowledge or the education or, or whatever but at the same but then you know at the same time it's like well no I still want to be able to develop as a writer. I want to be able to develop my craft, know my craft, you know. There's no reason I can't learn these things now for myself, despite not having a background in in literature and poetry or, you know, having a degree in it or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I thought, I'll, I'll look at these things, I'll research, I'll read, I'll, you know, give it a go. And if I don't like it, I don't like it. Um, or if it doesn't produce work that I'm I'm proud of or, or want to share, I don't have to. That's the other thing with poetry, um, especially in the sort of performance poetry realm, I suppose, is that a lot of the time poetry is so immediate, like you write it down, then, oh, I've got to share it, I've got to share it. <laughs> there's, yeah. no, there's no reason why you have to like give give it out straight away or give it out all at once you know let, let, let it stick with you and you don't you don't have to share everything you write not everything you write has to be a masterpiece or put up on youtube <laughs> you know yeah, yeah um yeah i felt like so so i looked at various different types of poem uh types of form not all of which i i understand still but you know there was a couple of of things that stuck with me um, and I liked the idea of writing a sustainer and it's so complicated. Yeah. Once I'd written it and I was like, I like that. Then I, then I felt comfortable sharing it, but I tried to write a villanelle. You know what villanelle is? Yeah. I st- yeah. I tried to write one of them and I was like, shit, absolute shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think I've tried to write one twice and I've never finished. I've, I just said, no. Yeah. Not a bit of me, villanelle. I mean, I like reading them. But, <laughs> yeah, but writing them, no. Um, I, I try and pick a few poems and, and get uh, whoever I'm chatting to to just talk me talk me through them. And there were so many I wanted wanted to pick, so I've, I've had to narrow it down to a couple um, from okay. All Right Girl. But okay. one that really jumped at me uh, was Running Water. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, because I, I think in working class communities, suicide is is sadly more common than than not these days i feel like especially getting towards 30 between 28 and just over 30 i feel like i'm constantly hearing about someone who's you know taken their own life or i'm going to funerals and that and i thought running water i don't know it was just a really subtle way of talking about it in a poignant manner you know how was that writing running water talk talk us through that poem well running water it's not actually about suicide no, okay. Um, though I completely understand why you would, uh, why you would think that. Yeah. It, it is about uh, a friend of mine. He died very young, died in his twenties. 
but he didn't take his own life. Okay. But it is still about that that grief of losing someone too young. And isn't it interesting that because in the poem it's obvious that someone has died mm-hmm. and that they've been young and that it's been a waste they've been taken too too soon, that we would think it's suicide. Yeah. Because these days in the UK it's the biggest killer of young men, suicide. And so if you've got, um, you know, in a poem, a male who's died at a young age and the poem's about grief, you, you would think it, it was. But yeah, that's exactly where my, my mind went. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I I also know, you know, a lot of people who have been affected by friends, family members taking their own lives. And there's there's three poems right next to each other in the collection that are all about the same person dying and the the process that you that you go through um especially when when that person is is so young and that the death was so unexpected so yeah running water yeah it's all about my friend who died he used to say that if you left the water running when you brush your teeth it it was such a a waste of water Mm. um and that we live in such a a wasteful society where you know you just you know if you think about all the waste you have every day whether that's water or food or money or or whatever and that reflected in in what we said at his funeral that it was such a waste of life and yeah that is that is a a poem that that resonates with people it's a poem that a lot of people bring up when that when they read the book and probably it's the the one that has been sent to me most you know people send you a message like a yeah a screenshot or whatever of a poem from the book that's the one that people keep sending because like i said before it's that shared experience it's that that um that grief that we all experience in whatever form at whatever time in however way it's still yeah. the same emotion i think it I it, it sort of perfectly captures though as well the the little things in grief that that sort of trigger a memory of someone in your daily routine as well i feel like as well in in your in this collection that a lot of these poems they do take you on on a bit of a journey don't they so you could almost group together poems like body um these pants cost 30 quid trying and gargoyles you know you feel like you go on a on a journey with the voice in in those poems and especially those poems they felt quite cathartic in a way yeah but am I right in saying that towards the end, you know, it's, it's, it finishes on quite a, a positive note of sorts, doesn't it? In in, in gargoyles, they, you, the, the voice seems a bit more comfortable with their their the way they view themselves, at least in in the world. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm really glad you said that actually as well, and and grouped those poems together because they are definitely there's a lot of journeys in in this collection, and where, whether people recognise them. Or, or not, it's important to me that, that those journeys are there. So I'm glad that, that, that you've seen and picked up on that. Um, but I think with, with those poems, they're, they're all to do with, yeah, with the way I see, see myself and the, the issues I've had around food and, and body image. I mean, my, my first show, Fat Girls Don't Dance, that was all about about those issues. Yeah. Um, and about the battle that, that I've had for quite a lot of my life with those issues and I had um a sequence of poems at the end of that when when that got published it was called mirrors and it was all about 
uh, body image but as my mum said at the time I always say this as my mum said at the time that they're a bit sad they're a bit sad Maria they made me very sad and I was like well yeah mum because you know because I was very sad and it was, it was you know it's, it's a sad thing but I wanted to sort of address uh, those issues from a place where I am now which is you know further down the road and and being more comfortable and confident with with myself and with my body and finding love and having someone else love you for all of the things that you hate about yourself and and trying to figure that out in your head yeah um, and the collection really is it, it it does go through that journey and and by the end it's kind of like being find, finding peace not necessarily finding happiness but finding peace yeah definitely yeah i thought i thought they were great at that these pants cost 30 quid i was just looking at the end of it because i was trying to think what the image was but it was that the sort of the the image of the head in the lap as if in worse yeah i thought that was like almost a turning point in that journey for that that voice before the the rest of the poems try trying was great as well i think by having those poems in there they they sort of goes back to what we were saying about when people talking that way all right love and things like that you've got that side of it in there but then you've got this sort of uh, deeper for want of a better word sort of collection of poems within there as well that, that sort of show both sides of you know working class east end girl um you know there's there's more beneath the surface than, than you'd initially think from that all right girl so yeah, yeah i really enjoyed those uh, the other sort of group of poems are as we've mentioned the all right poems so all right love all right girl all right son pub quiz i thought i just loved it i mean i i'm, I'm a massive fan of the pub as as of you are um so it's, it's oh mate i miss it so i know much. i've got the stellar on the go because i normally do these in pubs with poets so. <laughs> I read the collection and then see you with a cup of tea. So I won't say, I won't lie, I was a little bit disappointed. But Oh, babe, I'm trying not to drink in the week because for the first two or three weeks of this scenario, I was just drinking every day, <laughs> like getting smashed, smasheronied every day. And it was like last week, I didn't drink Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday and I felt like Mother Teresa. <laughs> <laughs> It was just like so hard. So then this week we're trying not to drink on the weekdays and then drink at the weekend. But then, but then the part of me is like, why am I bothering? Do you have the same issue I have? I, I just, I, I have a couple of drinks indoors, but I, I cannot drink the same way I would drink in a pub. I've never been one to drink indoors. The, the only reason I'm doing it is because I can't go to the pub. But mm. I don't know what it is about the pub. In the pub, I can have quite a decent drink, but at home, it's just it doesn't happen. I think, well, I think that would usually be the scenario, but this has definitely changed things. Um, I don't know. I don't drink in the same way, but I tell you what, it's so easy to drink a bottle of wine at home. It's ridiculous. (laughs) Maybe that's the problem. I don't don't really drink wine. There you go. You could, yeah. See, I, if I didn't, if I didn't like wine, I reckon I could curb it a bit. I love wine. You know, you're cooking, have a little glass of wine. It's a glass of wine. You know, it's respectable. (laughs) There you go. It's classy, classy. Have a, it's a bit classy, babe. Have a little <laughs> glass of wine, cooking the dinner. Oh, now I'm having my dinner. Another glass of wine. Oh, watch something on the telly. Another glass of wine. That's the bottle gone. There you go. Easily There's done. There's only three large glasses of wine in in a bottle. Is it? Yeah, it's easily done. So, and also because my partner likes to drink as well, and we can't go out, then 
we stare, we stare each other on, we really do. <laughs> we give each other the excuse of why it's okay. Yeah. Like, you recorded that podcast today, mate. <laughs> can, you, can you finish a poem today? Yeah, you get that's, that beer. You deserve wine. it. Did I've you been... clean the bathroom? Yeah, the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> I've been taking this, um, you know, one one exercise a day as my opportunity to exercise. Genuinely, sorry, exercise, but also to get out and have a drink. So I've been sort of going to the woods just with a couple of cans, and that's my exercise. And then go as I'm oh, walking. We did that the other day through the park, and I had a tinny. <laughs> <laughs> on when was it on sunday yeah it was on literally sunday literally feel 15 again i know i know isn't it mad it was like such a treat but i really i missed the pub so much it's probably the thing that i miss the most is going to the pub and going to my pub quiz because i usually go to a pub quiz on a sunday yeah and we started doing it with my family so that we take it in turns to write the quiz so me and my partner wrote the quiz this sunday just gone and we did, um, you know, on Nevermind the Buzzcocks, where they do those intros rounds? Yes. We One of the rounds, we did that. And I'll tell you what, the preparation that went into that, the, the rehearsal, the arguments. Oh, you know, it's, it's mad. It was... I, did a, I did a quiz yesterday, last night, for a few of my mates and that. And I was trying to come up with different rounds. And I, I used to have a, a radio show at, at uni, and I would come up with, it's called Get Out of My Pop. <laughs> <laughs> Has Peggy Mitchell oh, I love it already. Pe- Peggy Mitchell inspired, and I take the lyrics from songs you should know, like Bohemian Rhapsody, but I sing them yeah. in the theme of the EastEnders theme tune. So all you can oh, hear is the EastEnders theme tune, but so it's like, uh, Mama, I just killed a man. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I'm writing that down. Yeah. I've got to do that for the next yeah. one. That's so good. Get out of my pop. So all oh, just Get pop songs. Pop. But yeah, we used to do that. So I had a round on that last night as well. <laughs> that is genius, mate. Yeah. I can't you say should, all the. You should try and sell that to the telly. That I can't say all the credit show. for that. We made Jack come up with that as well. He was on the radio show. But yeah, pubs is what I was going to ask you about. Yeah, sorry, go on. Go I am. On. I'm. Well, we're clearly pub people just from that chat. But and you used the pub as a, as a muse to you know for a lot of your poems. There are mm. so many people that don't get it. The pub. Um, and obviously pubs are, are closing quite fast in, in this country. There's, there's not as many as there used to be anyway. What is it, what is it about the pub that, that, that made you fall in love with the pub? Like if you was to sell this to someone, I'm, I'm pitching this to my mum actually. She is not a pub person at all. She doesn't understand it. So what, what was it about Your you? Mom's... But what doesn't she understand? She just does, she just does not understand the pub. She doesn't understand the appeal to it. She doesn't understand why you'd go over there and spend money. Nothing about it, and I try selling it to her about you know it's this sense of community and there's there's people of all walks of life in there, and you know you've got your pub quiz and things like that, a jukebox. But I think, well, the pitch would depend on the person because I'd be like, okay, tell me a bit about yourself, and I'll tell you why the pub is gonna be good for you. <laughs> you know what I mean? But but for, for me, I think the stories, man, you get in a in a pub. Yeah, talking to people in the pub, and the thing is, they don't realise some of the blokes, some of the regulars that I've had over the years, who tell me these incredible stories about their life. They don't know. They don't know they're a storyteller. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They could get up at these nights that I go to, and tell these stories and go down a storm. You know, they're 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 amazing, and 
the stories you get in pubs, the sense of community, the the sense of belonging. Yeah. You know, I, everything about pubs. I love. Uh, you know, I love a jukey. Love a jukey yep. in a pub. Yeah. As well. Love and a dartboard. You know, and it's love a dartboard. Oh, I really miss playing darts. My my other half's got his own darts. The the, the the pub that we go to don't provide darts anymore because people are just nicking them or breaking them or <laughs> God, doing God knows what of them. So you have to bring your own darts, BYOD. <laughs> and um, I got him these, you, you know, Bullseye? The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jim Bowen. Jim Bowen, yeah. yeah. Good girl, good girl. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> I started we, we were we were up uh, at his mum's in Wakefield oh, I must have, a couple of years back now um, and it was like midnight or you know one o'clock in the morning and we'd, we'd come back from the pub and Bullseye was on and I remembered it from when I was a kid it used to be on on Sundays I just yeah. remember like having me bath <laughs> on a Sunday and <laughs> Bullseye being on but you know I'd never really properly watched it and it was just so funny, Jimbo. It's just so dated, but so hilarious. <laughs> like they'll go through, and if it's a man and a woman, they be like, "What do you do for a living?" And the man would be like, "Oh, you know, oh, I'm a bricklayer or whatever." Yeah. Oh yes. And go to the woman and be like, "Have you got any kids?" <laughs> <laughs> man. And you've got yeah. three children, haven't you? You want to give them away? You know. And it was, it was just so funny. So. Uh, yeah, got a bit obsessed with bullseye and bought my partner like bullseye flights. Bullseye flights. Darts. Yeah. Yeah. And we bring them to the pub. So yeah, love love darts, love a pub quiz, karaoke. Yes. Yeah. Uh, karaoke gets a bad rip. I've I've the last I two times I've been. I've, yeah, I've had good experiences the last two times. I have to say, karaoke. I mean, there's just something for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, it, it's it's a shame though because a lot of the big chain pubs, you know, leading the independent pubs to go out of business, which is terrible. Yeah. Um. Also, have some pub chains behaving despicably during this global pandemic. Yeah. And I love the spoons, like anyone else does. But I don't know. I'm going to find it very difficult to um. To reconcile myself with spoons after this, which 100%. is so very sad because <laughs> you know you gotta love the spoons. Yeah, well, there's certainly a time in everyone's life when we have a spoons is a. I mean, you, you know where you are with spoons. Yeah, you they're do. not my favourite pubs by any means. No, but yeah, after all this, I mean, the Brexit thing was bad enough. I don't know how I'm going to recover from this. I think part of it as well is like like yourself. I worked in a pub for many years, but you, you bang on with the the stories. There's, there was a little old old boy, Stan the man, who passed away last year. But he he was from Kenya originally. He used to he had all these mad stories about you know when he worked on the railways in Kenya, and you just you wouldn't hear that anywhere else than a pub. So I, yeah. I'm, I'm it's with the, you. It's what one. you call people as well. Yeah, like that, like the nicknames. Oh, but the teachers at work think I'm making it up. As what would you do at the weekend, Jim? Oh, Ponytail John, Tell the Otter was in, Stand the Man. Stop it. I had a Ponytail John. <laughs> ponytail John. <laughs> yeah, I had a Ponytail John in Manor Park. Yeah. It goes there, I think, Ponytail John. Scottish Nick, Little Johnny. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Tell, tell the Otter, because he's, he's got a big furry face. Someone said he looked like an otter, and that was it. He was just Tell the Otter. Danger Mick. Yeah, there's one. Danger Mick. We all know a Danger Mick. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. The last poem then, otherwise I talk about pubs all day that I, I wanted to give some attention yeah. to. It's Changes, um, the last poem uh, in your collection. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a perfect sort of poem to end on. Could you, you know, talk to us? There's a good video as well I've seen you've done uh, to go with that on YouTube. Could you, you talk us through that poem? Yeah, that, was, that was years ago I did that video. It's quite an old poem, but I felt like it was a good poem to, to end with, yeah, and to sort of bring it full circle because the first poem where everybody knew the craze, that's a pub poem. Oh, um, I loved that, actually. I should have mentioned that poem. <laughs> you know, because I'm from South London, um, I have exactly the same thing, but it's not the craze, it's the Richardsons. Everybody claims to have known a right, Richardson yeah. or not, but yeah, yeah sorry. Uh, yeah, I'll let you carry on. I love that poem though. Thank you. No, yes, yeah, so obviously it, it, it opens with that and it's, you know, it's quite a bolshy opener, let's <laughs> say. So, um, hmm. And, you know, you've got these, these pub ones running running through and it's this you know recurring theme but I wanted to I don't know acknowledge that even though these places are changing and people you know especially the old blokes in in the pub they concentrate on on the you know it's not like it was you know and and they're scared by this change Mm. as you said before I've got poems in there about sort of reconciling with myself and getting used to the the changes in in my life you know getting older my body changing my security my relationships whatever changing with it going with it but it's yeah it's also just a a nod to the gentrification that's happening in London yeah people out but also the multiculturalism as well because I feel like a lot of these working class geezers they're 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 scared of multiculturalism which is a big part of east london now this is this is the other thing you know with with the right-wing press that we have working class communities they're going to read the sun do you know what i mean and they're going to believe what they read in the papers it's hard sometimes because there's been many times where i've walked into a pub think oh this is a decent boozer. Oh, look, it's got a dartboard, it's got this, it's got that. Sit down, start talking to someone. Oh, yeah, decent. where you from? Where you from? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, and then they'll drop something, you An know. Absolute clanger, yeah. Racist, racist, homophobic, transphobic, whatever. And I've got to be like, nah, mate. And I try not to, well, it's hard, isn't it? Because what they're saying, I know, whatever the clanger is, yeah, I know it's wrong. But I, I try to, instead of walk away, walking away from it, be like, why do you think that? Yeah. Uh, you know, what, what's made you feel like that? Well, this is what I think about it and try to have some sort of debate with them rather than just being like... I've, I think that's a really good way to deal with it. I've, I've read that um, James O'Brien book recently um, and he, he says in it the same sort of thing. A lot of people don't actually get pushed for their on why they think that so when you actually do push them they haven't really got an answer and then sometimes not all the time but sometimes it triggers them to actually question you know the, why they've said that so but yeah mm. I, I, I know exactly what you mean about oh this is a decent pub and then someone sort of almost ruins it for you yeah yeah so it's a bit that poem I guess is a bit about that as well a bit about having respect for you know my elders and the, the men that have quite literally pay, paid my rent in in um, some instances you know when I, I wasn't doing what I do now and I was just starting out and 
working in pubs was was paying my rent but also yeah challenging them on their views yeah and as i said it was a nice way to end i think a perfect way to end because you do respect that sort of cockney or east end heritage but unusually your poem sort of you've you've read it and felt that oh right it's moving with us we're not leaving it behind we're we're bringing bits of it into the new whatever the new world looks like um which was you know i've never seen anyone say that about the old cockneys and stuff normally the the stuff i read around it is oh they're outdated or they're stuck in their ways so yeah i thought i thought it was Mm. Great poem to end on. Uh, randomly, a poem I found of yours online the other day, which I thought was uh, amazing. I fell in love with that. It was a conversation with a ten-year-old girl on the London Eye. I mean, I know that's not mm. in the collection, but that was a, a, a wicked poem. Thank you. That's in my first. That's in Fat Girls Don't Dance. You know, um, so Oberon published Fat Girls Don't Dance as a play text. Okay. In the back of that book there's a series of poems as I mentioned earlier called mirrors all about body image and that one's in print there I have to check that out yeah that one's you got me that one it was good it's good I sort of ask because a lot of people that listen to this are poets in their own right and talking to you know poets that are, have had some success and are, are writing and getting published just, your writing process is there you know if you used to give out some advice to people you know going about writing their own poetry or trying to get published is there anything you wish you'd been told when you were on your own sort of journey publishing journey specifically for being published or uh, writing in general anything writing in general I mean you've given some great advice already sort of you know write from the heart don't try and imitate um, people but was there was there anything that stuck with you a bit like the, the cage thing that you think I wish I'd have known that before I guess just yeah like write, write what you know write what you want to write about be true to yourself um and then just you, you know read read as much as you can read as much different stuff as you can so that you can draw inspiration from all different types of poetry and i know it's it's difficult because not everyone has access to you know and books are expensive you know but try and get out books from the library or free online resources and whatever yeah so that you can experience as much art as possible yeah just take take things from life but don't put too much pressure on yourself like I love free writes I love being able to just write down stuff on the page with no consequences with no um end product and you might find something in that that you can that you can take somewhere else take you know inspiration from everything from all you know from visual art from tv programs from films from your nan from a walk in the park from yeah. you know a, a, when, when you're pissed I love writing when I'm pissed <laughs> I mean it's usually awful but it's brilliant you know my uh, my mate we've been trying to write a tv scripts and he always says write drunk edit sober that's his that's his mantra for, for yeah writing. that's so good I, I've been I've, re- I've always wanted to write a sitcom always yes to write a sitcom. That's, that's what we're trying to do and um yeah I feel like I'm I'm getting to the point where I want to give it a crack and I've been watching a lot of sitcoms and watching things that I like and trying to see the cogs in there, trying to see how it works and and whatever. But you have just so much more confidence when you, when you're drunk 
Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that you should always write drunk. That's ridiculous. But, you know, <laughs> to have an idea when you're drunk and then edit sober is quite funny. Though so you'll come up with some absolute bollocks. Like, there's this um, thing at the moment, Drunk Plays on Twitter. Right. So if you follow at Drunk Plays, I'm thinking of doing one myself, actually, uh, where people, playwrights are getting drunk and writing a monologue. Right. And then they give it to an actor and the actor gets drunk and performs it. <laughs> Amazing. So it's kind of like shit play Shakespeare, um, yeah. but it's been written by someone drunk as well, and they're they're really funny. They've been really great. And um, so you know, if you're looking for something something new to to watch or to get involved with, we should do a drunk poetry one. Maybe that would be funny. Can you that imagine? would be. I, I, you mentioned free write, so I hadn't um, I hadn't ever done a free write before, but I see a few of them. Uh, Laurie Bolger did one the other day on instagram so i got involved with that but yeah that was quite quite cool just you know as you said sort of not really editing at all just getting stuff down yeah it's there was this kind of that was really bad because i can't even remember what it was called but there was this book that everyone was going on about for a while (laughs) about sort of you know you know that the art of, of writing and getting past writer's block and whatever and it was this thing morning pages in in this book they called it morning pages which is basically just a free write. So getting up and just writing down just whatever is in your head, like three minutes of just not taking your pen off the paper and just writing down whatever it is that comes out. And it's so, and I do find that so useful. And a lot of the the writing workshops I go to and the writing writing workshops I run, opening with a free write is great because it just empties all the crap out of your head Mm. before you, you know, just to do a bit of a brain sick do you know what I mean <laughs> just go well that's that that's out my head now brain you know, sick let's get to the brain sick yeah little brain sick all that leaves me to ask you and it's a question everybody hates so I'm putting you on the spot I know but poets that we should be reading perhaps poets that you've read and enjoyed or anyone you can think of that we should be reading because they're they're brilliant oh bloody hell Everyone hates this question. question. It's, yeah, it's me. It's I me. Be, me being selfish because I want to go and read more, but so I always ask. Um, okay. Well, obviously it changes all the time, but at the moment, I um, what am I loving? I love. Well, sticking with sort of working class heritage, and someone I'm very inspired by is Hannah Lowe. Um, she's amazing and it's from Ilford right, okay. so I, I just connect with her writing so much I love Hannah Lowe love Helen Mort Andrew McMillan obviously uh, Jameson Fitzpatrick if you want to go a bit old school um, I, well oh, I don't know it's a bit pretty. you know that you've got the problematic faves I've got a few problematic faves of yeah. absolute misogynists yeah. So actually, I won't. I won't. Um, <laughs> I won't go there. Uh, Toria Toria Garber. Do you know Toria Garber? Name rings a bell. I don't. Um, I don't amazing think. poet from Yorkshire. Okay. Um, who did a a tour with uh, John Cooper Clark? My partner, obviously, I have to mention him. Matt yep. Abbott, also yep. Yorkshire poet. Denise Smith. We've been a lot of Denise Smith lately. Wayne Holloway Smith. 
Yeah, love Wayne Holloway Smith. A few yeah. should be getting on with then. A few for me to check out. A few to be getting on with. Yeah, I'm right in saying. I'm I right in saying. I should be. Your your partner's a Leeds fan as well as a, a poet. Yeah. And you're a West Ham fan, and here I am. Yes. A Millwall fan. Look at that. Oh Jesus! <laughs> yeah. I've spent an I've spent over an hour talking to a Millwall fan. There's a reason I left it at the end. There's a reason I. Left oh. It at the end. Um, I do not give you permission to use any of what I've just said. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I mean, if you talk about stereotypes, you've got a West Ham fan and a Mill fan talking about poetry. It uh, goes against them all, I think, doesn't it? Well, there you go. There, there you, go. you go. I'm going to end on that note. Um, Maria, thank you very much for taking the time out during lockdown to chat to me. All right, girl. Maria's debut collection is available through Burning Eye Books. Um, where can they find your Instagram, website, etc., etc.? Yeah, so if you go on my website, mariaferg.com, mariaferguson.com was taken. So <laughs> <laughs> just the abbreviated mariaferg.com. My shop's on there, my big cartel, and links to all of my social media. On Instagram, I'm at mlferg. And on Twitter, I'm at Kadonk. Don't even ask. K-E-R-D-O-N-K. I was drunk when I set it up and it's a very long story. <laughs> but I, I refuse to change it now because it's become such a, a thing. So, yeah. There we go. Kadonk at Ethelberg. MariaFerg.com. Yeah. I'm a if you like. One of these little stunners. Yeah, buy me another bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for chatting. Really enjoyed it. Thank you so much, mate. This episode's poetry recital is, of course, from the incredible Maria Ferguson. She kindly recorded and sent me in three pieces. Perhaps with her permission, maybe I could put the other two at some point up on our social media. But I thought it would be great to hear one of those all right poems that we were talking about. So this is Maria reciting All Right Girl. So this is the title poem from the collection and it's called All Right Girl. It's the call of the blokes I know from trading notes for pints of John Smith's. The relief of another living, breathing thing in an empty pub in January. It's a longing for a lost wife or three. A smile as their palm is graced with change. They hold on a little too long. It's the raise of the hand or curt nod when I see them in the street. Away from beer mats and tired stories, tired eyes, rosy cheeks. A greeting in a familiar kitchen. The same questions to follow each time. As the poetry. As the love life. It's the cabbie who knows the East End like the freckles on his wife's nose. Rolls out names that might impress. Jack the Hat, Billy the Bomb. It's the barman on a Saturday night when I said I'd only have one. And my eyes are red and my mouth is dry and all I really want is his voice to be my dad's on the end of the line, miles away, killing time with that question I never know the answer to. 
As we're all stuck indoors, we've upped our social media game and we've been overwhelmed with the responses we've had so far. So thank you to all of you that get involved weekly. We've got our weekly writing challenges happening in which you could be the lucky winner of one of our coveted People's Poetry Podcast badges as well as our poem of the week for you to read too. A massive thank you as always to you at home for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, please do share it with a friend. You can find us on Instagram at People's Poetry Podcast, over on Twitter at People underscore Poetry. You can find us on Facebook, People's Poetry Podcast. I'm on Twitter, jbo, that's jbo, pens, poems. And you can email us if you want to get involved with the show, if you're a poet yourself and you'd like to sit down and chat, or if social media just don't cut the mustard and you want to get in touch, it's peoplespoetrypodcast at hotmail.com. 